0: O Lord God, we were provoked and challenged this morning by the Holy Word, but thy storehouse is full, and thou art even able to provide some morsels this afternoon. We ask and pray, O Lord, except thou dost give, no one can take. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the word of God as found in Acts chapter seventeen. I like to start reading with verse seventeen. 16, rather. Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him, with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will these babbler say? Others, some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Orophagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new, some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, Him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all the things therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and had determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek, the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offsprings. For as much then as we are the offspring of God— we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Because he had appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained whereof he had given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among them, among the which were Dionysius the Arophagite, and a woman named Marys and others with them. We have here the opportunity to see a place where the gospel did come to follow ground. That wasn't touched before by the gospel. Yet there was, it mentions here, a Jewish synagogue there in Athens. Athens, a city which exists even nowadays. And the very hill, Mars Hill that is mentioned here, you can go there actually and be there, see it. And I'm sure that For the tourists, they even have set up signs saying that this is where Paul preached this sermon. And the Apostle Paul shows us here the elements that he brings to bear to an area that has not heard the gospel before. That man is a spiritual being, most will agree. Because we see in all the world there are people turning in the past to worship something, something that's beyond what they can see and and touch, although they represent some of those things by things that they can see and touch and which we can call idols. There is this inner need in man that he realizes there is something outside of him which seems to have control and bears upon him. It's everywhere. Now, God does not hold it to a charge to those that have never heard the gospel. He says God winks at that ignorance like he he doesn't charge them. Romans gives us the indication that those people will be judged by their conscience. We cannot say further. It's not for us to dispute or, or what happens in this case or that case and so forth. We only can affirm and speak the things which the word says. We can have opinions, but we need to be careful that we, we stay that way. And the elements that he brings out is judgment, that the world is going to be judged. And that there is a way out. So that you don't have to go with that judgment. By the one that he has appointed that will be the judge. We read in the gospel that the Father has committed all judgment unto the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, because he is the Son of Man. Men cannot accuse God to say that God, you know, just because he's God and and who is going to, who is going to resist him, who is going to be judged fairly. He appointed the Son of Man to be a judge because he's the Son of Man and because of he, what he did for man in providing a way out. If there was no way out then we would say, well let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But there is a way out and that is the condemnation we read in the Gospel of John that light is come that shows us the way out and if we resist that we may do so we can choose to do so but we have no excuse we have no excuse and that God judges by this man and here it says he has ordained him because he had appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained, whereof he have given, had given us assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. That's the, so to speak, the clincher of, of, of what God says is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that very fact, which is much disputed and, and argued with, but cannot be put away and ignored, it's there. And men have tried to uh, attack that fact, try to say that this is made up by the early church, but on this very fact that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead, hangs. All the gospel. And God has, see, has seen to it that that event was done in such a way that it, people cannot honestly really deny it. They cannot. Anybody that really wants to know has doubts, perhaps, and a search, he can search and he will come to the conclusion yes. It is so. There have been people that have set out, people that didn't believe in God at all, and they took it upon themselves to try to disprove the Bible, and in particular, the resurrection. And if they searched sincerely and honestly, they had to come to the conclusion it is true. And the evidence that we have nowadays to us is the evidence of changed lives. And that's where you, my brother, and you, my sister, come in. People are not interested in, in stories. And although they may get excited when a new movie comes about, of, about some events, They're entertained, but they may put this all, relegate all of this with other movies that were done and events and other things. But the evidence of a changed life, whenever they meet one, they cannot forget. They cannot forget. People hear a lot of things. People read a lot of things, see a lot of things. There is so much out there. We are overloaded with so-called information. But when they are touched really by a true witness of Christ, they cannot forget that. And it's a challenge to them. And it's the evidence nowadays. Ye shall be my witnesses, Jesus said, before he departed ye shall be my witnesses, and we better be, because even our salvation hangs on it. Although the Apostle Paul did so much, and he charged Timothy also, and Timothy labored, he says, in so saying, in so doing, thou shalt save others and thyself. We are in it too. We are in it. Of course, we live in a time where it's so easy to get comfortable. We have a nice building now. We come together. We are free. Nobody is forced to work on this day. We can come in comfort and so forth. And the danger of that is to lull us into it, into not giving it the importance that the gospel and the purpose for which we are saved is. Be very reminded this morning. You know, and then if if somebody that sets out to resist the gospel would have heard it, they would say, Well this all makes nonsense. Suffering, suffering and so forth. God does not take delight in suffering. Suffering must have a purpose. Suffering must have a purpose, a higher purpose. And although suffering is but for a a short time, as it says in the Bible, says it's not to be compared with the glory that should follow after. Suffering for suffering's sake doesn't make sense. But for the right purpose, having the faith and the conviction that it is so, then we can take it. And for those that may be scared of when they heard about much suffering, even as this example of, the, of Kara being sick and suffering so much and say, well, I couldn't take that. Well, God also promised he will not put upon us more than we are able to bear. But he will put enough on us so that we have to stretch a little our faith. Faith cannot grow unless you are us to stretch a little bit. I'm reminded of Abraham, who was perhaps tested like no one else here, to be asked to sacrifice his very own son that he had waited for so long. And in those times, it, it, it meant so much, especially more so than in this time that we live in, to have an heir that would carry the name forth, to carry forth the, it should be that way too, but nowadays things have, have, have somewhat are not like that. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. And we read in, in Hebrews, I believe it is, it says, yes, he believed that God would be even able to raise him from the dead. And he was willing to go ahead. And When one thinks of it, being asked of God and how God asked him and revealed him so that he was so convinced that he had to do it, it's not recorded. But what is recorded, it shows us that he had time to think about it. He made, says he rose early in the morning and went, so he obeyed. But he had three days to think about it as he went along, you know, to think of it, go one day journey, lay down for rest and I'm sure these thoughts were with him next day and the next day finally willing to carry through with it God really stretched him and he obeyed how much can God stretch our faith and that we will still obey we are not asking for great trials. Don't ask for it. No. Ask, as it says in Proverbs 30, verse 8, is it? No, feed me with meat convenient for me. You know. This is not a self-service to follow Christ. It's not a self-service. You choose, you buffet, No. Ask him and he will give you what you need and it will be enough to stretch your (laughs) faith. The resurrection of Christ which and the way it happened the crucifixion which the Bible tells us is foolishness unto those that don't believe but unto us it's the power of God. How God was able through that sacrifice to forgive us all. Yeah. The eternal soul, the things that we see, he says, they are temporal, they will pass away. But the soul that God breathed into man, the soul is eternal. The question is where it will spend eternity. The Apostle Paul shows great wisdom in, in how how to bring the gospel to an area where it was not yet proclaimed. Here we have the example as we said before. As he went through the town and found an altar description to the unknown God. He says, you're very superstitious. Well, in this case, I think it means more, you're very careful, lest you miss something. They had an altar to the unknown God. Oh, they had many gods. And, and if you studied in school, Greek history, oh, there was a whole pantheon, they call it, many gods. And there was a chief God and so forth. And, and sometimes they the so-called wise in this world, they try to pin and say, well, see, that's, that's where the account of the Old Testament comes from, those things that they had already there. But you know, the Bible doesn't make any excuses for itself. It is so factual. It accounts right if it starts with the beginning, in the beginning doesn't say much, but what it says, it has the authority of God. It has the authority of God in the beginning and then in the end. And really, the Christian religion, if you may say so, is the one that gives us all the answers that we need, the answers to pain and suffering, at which so many other so-called religions stumble, haven't got an answer for it. Oh, they may have some explanation that the God has a whim. Their God is a God whims. He has a whim. He decides it just. But the Bible tells us to what purpose it is. It doesn't shy away from those difficult questions. And the answer that we need, we will find it in the Word. Enough so that we can keep faith. The Bible doesn't give us all the answers you may want to have, but all the answers that you need. That's why it's so important to come together, hear the Word. That is why it's important to read also the Bible from cover to cover to meditate upon it. And more importantly even is to ask God to reveal what you need from the Word. You know, now that man is so, how shall we say, increased so much in knowledge. And it it becomes again as it was at the Tower of Babel when God decided that he Well, he had commanded them, first of all, that they would disperse and replenish the earth, but they decided to stay by the tower and make themselves a name, lest they would be spread all over the earth. That's they didn't want to. That was against God's commandment. And God said, you know, if they start this thing together, there's no end to what they will come to. And we see that happening in our time. Is how knowledge increases, how knowledge lifts itself up against the knowledge of God. And if you watch it and see every once in a while the statements that they make out there, you know, and, and they are—it's assumed, it's it's accepted in in the, in the halls of learning and in schools. You know that the Bible is just a, a good moral book, but not very factual. And it caught my eye here. It says, he had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. You know, when we look how different people are, and in the past century when, two centuries ago now, when they classified people and said, these are very primitive and these are advanced and they prided themselves and... created political systems out of it to conquer others and so forth, you know. But yet, we know from the Bible that they are of all of one blood. They all derived from, from that one first pair. Now, in our century, that doesn't seem to be any anymore an issue because they have found, yes, we all descend, according to the records in the DNA, descend from, from one woman, but they go on; they don't acknowledge that that's what the Bible had said, and that it was that it is true. And now, now, they can accept that. They go on from there to other things. You know. The theories that they were that the, when, it, when it was argued, well, the universe had to have a beginning. or oh, that wasn't accepted by the wise of this world. No. Things would regenerate. The universe is eternal and so forth. Now they will say, yes, it has a beginning. Now they make it big signs. But when the Bible spoke that it had a beginning, that was not accepted in its time. And we see man always goes on. He doesn't like to face reality. He doesn't want to acknowledge that the Bible is really true. But those that have embraced the faith... Those that believe it is God's word, it's so important that they live according to it. Because if they don't, you are not going to get people to read the Bible unless they are really picked by wanting to really know why you are that way, why you act that way, why you don't retaliate, why you choose to come together on Sunday, why you find it important, church. And the warning nowadays also is that people think that they can worship God just by themselves. Yes, they can, but there is a time to come together. And the New Testament doesn't teach about a solitary religion, about God saving people and keeping by themselves. The, the, The New Testament speaks about a church, the working of a church as his body, members that have to be together, Members have to function together, and everyone has a part in contributing to it. And when we withdraw ourselves, when we don't participate in an activity that we could have participated, we are diminishing that. But if we think it's important, as much as we can, we will be part of it, we'll participate. And then our children, too, will get the idea this is important to them. It's more important than taking off somewhere and go to a lake and spend a weekend on the lake again and again. Yes, there is time for vacation, but even the choice of vacation, if there is a church nearby, is it important to go there and bring greetings back? Now, these bonds, these things that ought to be done, that ought to be acknowledged, they are part of the witness of the church in this world. There will come a time when the witness will be removed, the Bible indicates. But that's God's doing when he decides that. As long as we are here, we have a responsibility to be the witnesses of the great cause. To whom be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. Brother, please find the
1: hymn. Hymn 78, the first two and the last two verses.
0: I think everybody heard it well, but I repeat it 78, first two and last two verses.
1: Almighty God, we have been truly blessed for this privilege to be here today, for being gathered in this house of prayer, Father, to be instructed of thee, so that we may learn where our hope comes from, Father, that we may be like Abraham, who hoped, Father, because thou hast provided, thou hast told him, thou hast given him a reason for hope, and we too have heard Of this hope here, Father, we've come together to learn collectively the same of the same hope that we can share, Father. A hope that is grounded in Thy scripture, which Thou hast preserved for us, that we can use as a manual, Father, as a map for our lives. And we thank Thee for this hope that has been preserved for us, that has been. Promise to us, Father, a hope that is like a treasure, a hope, Father, that guarantees us immortality, Father, to be with thee. And we are grateful, Father, for this assurance, for this guarantee, Father, which is based on thy word, Father, the word that has created all things. The whole universe was brought into being by thy word, that word, Father, we are hoping and our faith is grounded on that hope, Father, which is very precious to us. And we thank Thee for bringing us together to strengthen this hope, this faith, to uplift us, Father, to cement us together as a church, as a, as a unity. We give Thee thanks, Father, for making this true in our lives. And we ask Thee, Father, to grant this faith, this hope to many more souls that may come and go and come to this church. Father, from week to week, we ask thee to implant this word deep in their soul, to make it a reality, Father, so that they may be able to partake also. This is not a, a fable, Father. This is not a story. And we ask thee, Father, to let them know, too, that this... Hope, this faith, has been secured, Father, by the blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us so that this may become real in our lives and it may change our lives. Father, to the extent that we may be able to tell others about this, who inquire of us, Father, why we are so hopeful, and we ask thee, Father, to give us courage, to give us boldness, to share to go out and be witnesses of thy hope, the faith that thou hast given us. Father, we are so grateful for having been here today and ask thee, Father, to have mercy upon us and extend patience to those, Father, that need it most, those that have not committed themselves. We ask thee, Father, that thou would call them. Father, we commend unto thee Those that could not be here because of illness, other afflictions, Father, that prevented them from gathering with us. Be thou their comfort. Be thou their hope. Strengthen it to them, Father, knowing that we are praying for them. And Father, those that would not come, Father, we pray for them also because we know that thou canst orchestrate Things in their lives, that thou wilt change their minds. And we plead, Father, with thee to have patience with them also, to draw them in love like thou hast drawn us. We thank thee, Father, that we can pray for each other, that we can bring our petitions to thee, that we have access, Father, that extends beyond Sundays, that we can come to thee at any time, that thou wilt hear us that our prayers are not in vain. Father, we know the power of prayer, and we ask thee, Father, to watch out over us, protect us, lead and guide us in all things that we say and do, so that it all may be to thy honor and to thy glory. And if it be thy will, Father, bring us all back together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Somebody said that it's impossible to live without hope. People that lose hope, they want to depart. And hope, we hope for the things that the Bible tells us, for the promises in the Bible that's faith. But faith needs to work. It cannot be static. James says, faith that works by love, the hope of glory in us, the love that drives us, that should drive us, even as we grow in faith, that we even can love our enemies and do good unto them. That would be a sign of maturity. hope is sure because it's in the Bible, but there's a little word that qualifies if, if, this morning as the brother was reading, cut my attention to this, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. If. That's where we need to pay special attention and not take it for granted. That the love that has been shed abroad into our hearts, not to hinder it, not to stop it from driving and motivating us to do those things that please God. To him be honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.